Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy Hello, and jumping into your ears today is um, Vivian Williams, who uh, describes herself as the principal uh, of Kids Matter Matters um, OT. But I, I reckon you're founding director material. Yeah, that's kind of what I am. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what happened in 2003? What were your motivations for getting into the private scene? Because that was early days back then. Yeah, before most people went into private practice, actually. Yeah, I think, uh, so, yeah, totally. And so, so I think the motivations were different in for those pioneers. Well, for me, it was just an opportunity. I was at home with my baby girl, Hannah, who was about five months old, and I was doing a lot of cleaning and not that, you know, that cleaning's not really me. And then I had an opportunity to do five hours a week of my favourite area of sensory integration type work. Mm. And I just jumped to the chance and um, did it. Yeah. And uh, yes. So started as that sole trader, which so many of us did. Like I started on the dining room table with a milk crate and very little in the bank and not, knew nothing about business. You were probably more yeah. organized than me. No, I was pretty much the opportunist who figured out <laughs> everything as I went along. Yeah. And what did you like about it back in those early days? It was just an opportunity to practice my skills mm. and to help kids. Mm. and um, I I kind of just fell into it. So whatever I fall into, I just make it work. So I just enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed having a break from mothering Mm. and then having plenty of time to come back and be mother. A surprising number of businesses started during maternity leave or early early mother, early early babyhood as well. A surprising number just seems to be this phase of reinventing and I need something different to what I thought or I didn't even think I could do that but gosh it's kind of fun and yeah well I literally um, very soon after I started I was getting all these referrals for memory and learning type work and visual Mm. perceptual assessments and the sorts of things I just did not have any resources for because I was literally going to do sensory integration type work Mm. and I was put in a doctor's office so, you know, there's, there was just no scope to do what I actually wanted to do. And so I figured, well, I either have to stay where I am, work with it and get the resources so I can do a good job because I'm a bit of a high achiever, or I have to choose to set up over my side of town, which is what I did. Mm. So, so I up in Brisbane started, from the get-go? In Brisbane, yes. Yeah. So I worked yep. from underneath my mother-in-law's house and I suspended some tyres and... <laughs> <laughs> bolster yeah, yeah. swing and lots converted of the garage exactly exactly so that's what I did for a few years until I got pregnant again and then I basically went from there to 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had to decide. Every point was a decision. It's like when I was at um, the north side, it's like, do I set up? And if I do set up, where do I do? Here or my side of town? Decision made, move. And then when I was um, pregnant with Zachary, it's like, okay, what do I do? Do I close up shop and start again after when he's old enough mm-hmm. or do I put on staff? Decision made, I put on staff, which meant I had to move because he couldn't work. I couldn't bring other people to my mother-in-law's house. So we went and converted the local scout den and worked there for many years, had a few other people join the team. And then the next decision point was I was asked to leave by the council because we're in the wrong zoning. Oh, zoning, that old chestnut. That one. So then it's like decision, what do I do? And Mm. then we decided we'd take bigger premises at Yerong Pili and, um, that then we had to make it work and that's when I had to become serious about business because my rent was very expensive Mm. my wage costs were climbing and I had to learn how to run a business so that's that's when I became a businesswoman I would say yeah 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 what what year was that 2011 okay so you had a little bit of a run-up to it as well yeah if you think back to that early phase before you really got your boots on did you Imagine or visualise that you would have a team of over 20 kind of down the track? Um, Before I started anything, like when my husband and I were first married, we kind of just said, wouldn't it be cool if we could set up a clinic that would help so many kids and give them that early intervention Mm -hmm. that they need? And then we thought, oh, no, that's stupid. (laughs) Did you really? We can't do that. But then that's what we've actually done. Wow. So when did the tables turn? Yeah, when did the tables turn on that thinking? Um, It's probably more a reflection. I thought we didn't think we could do that and we have. Mm. So. Yeah, sometimes um, when I sort of speak with people, they've had this sort of glowing ember of a of a vision from the get-go and it's got a little snuffed out at times and then it's reignited and they're going, going, going and others other um the other story I hear is I had no clue like if I knew that this is what it would look like you know 20 years later I don't know you know and it's just been organic growth and opportunity and it's just so interesting about where it all goes so uh then there was that point was it 2011 business time Yes, so I had to work out how to run a business and made lots and lots of mistakes. What were the best mistakes you made? What were the best mistakes you made? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think a lot of it was around culture. Mm. And mistakes are probably, I don't know whether they're the right word because it was just skills skills I hadn't learned yet. Yeah. Um, So my personality in its natural form can be quite abrupt and very direct and I still am to a degree but um, I've learned to kind of temper it a little bit mm-hmm. and just think about mm-hmm. the receiver mm-hmm. um, but back in those days I didn't have any tempering and so I kind of alienated some staff and we also had some very difficult personalities in the business that I didn't know how to manage mm-hmm. um, so I yeah I until I had the people to support me to manage that process um I guess I just fumbled along um other other actual mistakes that I would have made um would be to be so embedded in my work and my spreadsheets and the stuff I love to do 
that I forget about the team. So, you know, things like coming late to lunch, having my back to the door, um, <laughs> those those sort of things are like I, I would never do anymore and like for mm. many years my, my, my desk actually faces the door. So I'm always open and, and available mm. because without your team, you've got nothing. Mm. Yeah, your team often teach you a lot about yourself. Yep, yep. What, yeah, uh, yeah. what have the team taught you? What have the team not taught me? I know, so, right? Um, the team have taught me to listen mm. and to not jump to my immediate gut reaction but mm. to pause and to make sure I really listen to their ideas and listen to their thoughts um, before I jump on something and say that won't work because of. So mm. I'm still not 100% at that but I've, it's something that they've taught me. Um the team have taught me that everybody has their own unique skill sets and if I can unlock that, they are so happy and they're fulfilled and they've got meaning and purpose. Um, but when I, If I allow them to be bogged down in something that is not of their skill set, then they're unhappy and that's when the kind of dissension can come in. Mm. And the team have taught me that I'm okay to be myself. I do not have to be everything. I do not have to be have everything perfect. I play to my strengths and I support them to say, play to their strengths. And, yeah, just that, that open 360 kind of management style where they can come when they need, when they've got to send this, and there's nothing out of bounds that I can't listen to. Mm, yeah, yeah. And doesn't mean I say yes to everything. But it's not yeah. me being a pushover, but it's just, um, it's just not let's trying to do it by through. myself. Yeah, yeah, let's work this through. Yeah. Uh, you're familiar with the Wealth Dynamics Profiles, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I remember talking with you about this once upon a time. Do you still use them? All the time. So we've just had onboarded a couple of new staff and we've yep. just got them to fulfil their profiles. And yeah. yeah. How about you speak to that a little bit more and then I'll kind of round it all off because I'm a big fan. We, we use it with some of our clients. We use it across our team as well. So um, how would you describe, describe so them? It's- it's by a guy called um, Roger Hamilton, and he has two systems now. He's got the Wealth Dynamics, which is really for business, and then he's got Talent Dynamics, which is really for employees. And it's essentially the same thing. He's just rebranded the name so it's a little bit more palatable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a system of eight profiles um, that, uh, work in different seasons and so you have the the profile of blaze which is tends to be very um, outward focused and there you have a star um, who is kind of a blend of um, the creative energy as well as um, supportive energy and um, they are really good at presenting working within groups lots and lots of brilliant ideas um, life of the party can be hard to pin them down Yep. Then you've got the supporter who are your best managers. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so they're the, they're the best managers and they are, like they say, just really good at supporting other people. Um, but they also need to be supported and acknowledged and recognised themselves because they're often so busy supporting other people that they can, their tank can run dry. Um, then you have the dealmaker um, who I'm 
I'm not as all over this one as I am the others, but essentially um, they are really good at negotiating deals, negotiating mm. a win-win solution for everybody involved. They're really good at timing. They're really good with people. Yeah. Then yeah. if you head to the bottom of the pyramid, um, you've got a trader who is really good with timing. Um, they're very loyal. They're very um, once you've won them over and given them time to process, mm. um, they will get behind any project and make it happen. Yep. But don't don't launch surprises on them because the, they yeah. and move too fast because you'll lose them. Yeah, they've got people and timing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, then you've got the accumulator on the yep. bottom left, and they are a combination of steel and wood energy. Um, so the wood is the timing tempo yeah. um, piece. Yeah. And the accumulator, um, they are, they're really good with numbers. They're really good with timing. Um, they often are not good at speaking. Um, they feel quite shy to speak in front of an audience, but they're very, very solid. They're slow to mm. change, slow to move, but once they are, they're solid yeah. as. Bring me the data by Friday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you have the Lord. Um, yep. uh, a strong Lord can be quite a challenging personality to have in a team, but they're very, very good at numbers and data and yes. analytical and the how piece, like how do you get something happening? Yep, steel energy, um, winter energy. Steel, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> um, but so anytime you want details, you go to a Lord. Anytime you're looking for someone to pick a hole in your plan, go to a yep. lord yep. um yeah quite but achievers. they're not exactly they're quite yeah. we've got quite a few on our team and we love them yeah um, oh, it's yeah it's not yeah anyway the last one there's, there's, i am just loving i am just loving your uh, your uh refresh on this so you got one more to go <laughs> got the mechanics two, no no two more actually creator oh, as well oh yeah yeah you started okay yeah. yep Yep, so the um, mechanic is me and we love spreadsheets. We love um, systems. We're not as good as starting from scratch, although we can, um, mm. but we like we like to improve upon things and find just make all of the systems flow, make everything work, yep. and we can be very, very embedded in process um, to the point that we forget about people um, until you know how important they are and then you put mm. the system around that and then it works. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um, so that's yeah, mechanic, um, and their mechanic is a combination of creative energy as well as that steel detail. Um, but we find our middle in the process. Yeah. And the systems, yep. and then the creator is um, they are have they've got lots and lots of ideas. They're often the ones who start companies um, because they've, they've got so many good, wonderful ideas. Mm. Um, they can struggle with the implementation, and they can get bored easily. So once if they once they've started, they want someone else to finish it for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all of the profiles are like you know, there it really describes the where you will flow best rather yeah. than your actual skill set. So you can have a creator who's very good at detail. You can mm-hmm. my supporter um, is a practice manager, and she is actually surprisingly good at detail. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just where your flow is. Yeah, I love it as a tool because it's very relatable and very practical and it's sort of based in nature as well. It's based in the seasons. It talks about the elements and the pros and cons of the elements and it gives you a profile of where your flow is and 
And it, it, it's not to say that you can't step out of your flow. It will just come at an energetic cost and you will have to go back to your home base to kind of recharge. So um, I, I love it. I think it's, I think it's really, really um, a valuable, accessible tool. And to understand then about if you're in one position, who your 2IC could be and then who their 2IC could be. And just to be able to position the team to their flow and strengths, I think is really And to nice. give a balance on a project as oh, well. Totally, totally. We digress, but in a really, really good way. So tell us a little bit about your team right now. Who uh, who would we find in the lunchroom? Ah, oh, well, we have three lunchrooms. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, Yorongpili is our headquarters, and so there we have our practice manager, um, and we have our accounts person who also does a lot of HR and um, PA work for me, um, and we have our receptionist and our admin team, and then we also have um, five, six OTs. And most of them are full-time or almost full-time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, and we currently have two students at the moment. So we, this is the first mm-hmm. time we've taken students um, for their fourth-year placement. So Isn't it exciting that they're back out in the professional world after a couple of years of not quite, not quite getting yeah. that professional experience, hey? Mm. That's it. And then ASPLE, we have a... We have our three beautiful seniors there, so a very um, experienced team over there. Um, and we've just lost one of our beautiful girls temporarily for maternity leave. And um, then we've got another one who was our new grad program last year who's wonderful. Um, so they're all amazing. So we've got creators, stars, deal makers. <laughs> um, we've got our marketing person over there. Um, and we've got a trader um, who's our receptionist. Um, yeah, just a really beautiful family-focused team. And then our Greenstones team is a lot younger. We've got two seniors there, um, one older senior and one younger senior. And then we've got two other younger therapists and then Michelle and I kind of do little bits there yeah so it's it's quite a big team and everybody is they're mostly lords and accumulators actually (laughs) (laughs) it's funny how they all gravitate in a way um intentionally or not who knows that's it who who knows um I'd love to hear a little bit more about your practice manager why why did you why did you bring that awesome human in at at what point and just why what was some of your thinking there so I have always wanted to be an occupational therapist with children Mm. and if I'm to do that to some capacity I need somebody else to look after the details I am bored to tears with setting up a power diary our practice management system with all the different forms that need to be done I, I I'm a bit inconsistent with onboarding. <laughs> so I, I need somebody who can take on all of the details and run the mm. practice that can I have input into, but I don't have to do all of those little details myself. Yeah. And on top of that, I needed a supporter um, who would um, who'd be able to support the staff um, to be able to be the best that they can be. And mm. I have that. I have that. Yeah. And it's, she is so loved. The team yeah. love her to bits and she's, she yeah. just gets on with it. It's such a critical role. And um, sometimes in 
coaching conversations, there's so much hesitation and I don't know if we need it and is the team big enough and, you know, then they're going to be another salary and oh my gosh and oh my gosh. And then when you find that unicorn for you, it's the, well, why on earth didn't we do this last year? And it's just such a breath of fresh air, a sigh of relief, and it's really often onwards and upwards once that operational businessy person comes in. Um, Was that your experience as well? Did you kind of hesitate? I did it very, no, I did it very early on. I Mm. chose to have systems work over profit. which has turned itself around, obviously, mm. but I I invested in the business to get the systems working the way I needed them to, even yeah. before I could probably afford them comfortably. Yeah. Well, it's about putting in those foundations and sometimes the business owners aren't the best people to do the systems. Um mm depending a little on your profile, but often you need that systems champion and someone to just get that operational day-to-day stuff running, take that stuff off your plate. Yeah. Yeah. So your lovely team now are across three different sites. How would you describe um, the culture of the team? Because it's different when you don't get to see everyone every day. Yeah. So each of the teams has their own unique culture, um, but they're all beautiful and they all, the the summary of it all is they support each other, they care for each other and they care for their clients. Mm. Um, and that's across every clinic. And mm. so, you know, the younger team at Greenslopes like, might do things for socials like um, going and doing a sleepover at the clinic. <laughs> Um, or or go to an escape room whereas the Aspley team they actually decided to go on a whale watching cruise together Mm. so they they the teams kind of they actually choose to spend time with each other outside hours your own pilly team just did that Mm -hmm. recently did a paint and sip Mm -hmm. so you know and then so each of the they're all themselves they all laugh a lot they all have a lot of fun Mm -hmm. while they're working hard and supporting each other Mm. In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills, and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. What have you done as a business owner to facilitate that culture? Because it doesn't happen by magic. I put Michelle on our therapy manager. Mm. 
Um, I promoted her role. She was also a supporter. Mm. Um, and I put her in the place to facilitate the relationships within the team. Mm. Um, we've also appointed seniors um, at the different teams to be the leaders. Mm. We've also um, resourced it properly with proper admin support. Um, so proper receptionists so they weren't burnt out and overwhelmed because you have to have the structure of the clinic actually working well and the job flow working well. So we, we've got the job flow working mm-hmm. well. We've got the, somebody to sort out your, your challenges. Um, we've got a performance review system that we do every six months um, with the clear career path for each of the client, the, the staff, uh, which mm-hmm. helps culture out of sight so instead of people like um talking in hushed tones about what they're getting paid that they know they're not supposed to but they do anyway you know they everybody knows exactly where they stand and we have open conversations about it and how they can graduate and and how they can progress so we've got that in place as well and then I literally just let them go for it or we have we have regular (laughs) team meetings um that really help to bring everyone together um Mm. and yeah just don't interfere too much (laughs) (laughs) so often I talk with business owners about whether or not they should be meddling or whether they should be just standing back and shepherding as such um yeah and that's the other thing I do is I really foster close relationships with the seniors of my team so like I can't possibly get around and know every single person to the uh, the incredible depth of degree like we're too big for that but I can build that strong relationship with um, my leadership team and then they take that also back to their team. So, so yeah, they're the things I do for culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then flipping it over to your clients, what do your your clients say about the experience they have with you? We are so overdue for a survey. (laughs) Okay, mental note to self. It'll be in the show notes. That's it. Because you, you um, provide a range of services to a range of clients. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So we get great Christmas presents. <laughs> that, is just the, <laughs> that is the benchmark. Couldn't agree more. So, so that, that's a really helpful thing. Our client, our diaries are full and we are in hot, hot demand mm. um, and can't service all of the people trying to come to us. And our existing clients, even when we try to phase them out, are often reluctant to phase out, which mm. I think also shows satisfaction. Mm. And whenever you talk to, like Alison, our practice manager, um, does feedback surveys for new clients periodically and they're always saying great things about the clients. Mm. And we also get very few complaints. So when we do get complaints, um, they're usually about that we're charging a cancellation fee. Uh, and how dare that we? That old thing. Yep. Yep. But it's we have a very rare concern mm. about a therapist. It happens every now and then. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But it's it's usually it's very rare. Yeah. I so love yes, that you led with the Christmas gifts. That's just such a it's a whole new KPI altogether, Vivian. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but the surveys can be good. Yeah. We didn't do them for a while because we had so much flux and change. We just didn't want to know. Mm. We were just trying to sort ourselves out. So, But I think Mm. we're ready for it now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You can let us know how it goes. It is um it is kind of kind of good. So if we think about you up in up in Brisbane, Brisbane's going great guns at the moment. There's so much going on. Um what 
changes, trends have you noticed in the last couple of years up there in the allied health business scene? Ah, oh, the corporates have taken over. Oh, have they? Yeah. Which ones? So there's, no, I want to know. Um, so early start oh, yeah. is buying up practices left, right and centre. Yep. You don't want to sit still too long. Yep. 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 Um, and there's also National 365. Yep. There is Rehab, um, Total Rehab mm-hmm. is another. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, a lot of physio practices and psychology practices are now employing OTs as well. Mm. Um, and then there's a lot of individuals who are sick of working for Queensland Health or sick of Queensland um, Education who are going out on their own. Yeah. So we've got all of those trends happening. Um, We've got some concerning stuff where new grads are being employed in large numbers by the corporates and are being Mm. churned and burned and um, not getting the support that they need and with really high workloads when when they're not ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of probably the essence yeah. of what I've got my the ear to my ground, my ear to the ground on. Yeah. So the really big guys and the the little guys mm-hmm. kind of seem to be where there's movement yeah. and and um, there's so much trouble getting staff like across the board. Everybody and I know mm. several practices who've had to either close their OT department um, or actually close because they just cannot get the staff. Yeah, that's a complex one, really complex one, because there's also a lot of movement as well. Mm. There's a lot of clinicians moving between roles uh, on all sorts of levels. So where the loss for one business is a gain for another. So um, do you think the recruitment scene is going to change anytime soon? I don't know. Good to know, isn't it? it Where's my crystal ball? That's it. I, I tell me once you found it. No, I think it, it rolled off my desk a couple of weeks ago and I think it's still down the back somewhere. I've got my wand. My wand always is always handy. Um, oh, yeah. Can you do any divination with that wand? Oh, just, yeah, whip up a workforce. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to sort of even conceptualise, you know, what the undergraduate movement is going to be, what how many um AH, allied health professionals are going to still be in the profession at the three-year mark, at the five-year mark. Exactly, because they're people who are leaving in droves from what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like early career professionals. Yeah. Yeah, you've noticed that? Yeah. It's just such a shame. It's just such a shame. It's just such a shame. Because it's a great, it's a great way of working, but mm. you have to be in the right place. You do, you do, and it's just so variable, isn't it? And there's just so many options. Um, you know, years gone by, you really only had three or four options with where you could work. Now you've got that's right. You've got 103 options, all that's within it. 30 minutes of work. Yeah. yeah, and you know, every person you're interviewing for a position has probably already been offered a job somewhere else. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's you can't. Yeah, there's some funky behaviour around as well about accepting a job and then not turning up to it and resigning before mm. you start and yep. all of this, all of this. So lots to manage for, for business owners right now. Yep. Oh, well, if I find my crystal ball, I'll uh, I'll let you know. Um, where do you think the NDIS is going? Because that is a, an ongoing challenge, isn't it? It's, yeah. And again, I think that's a crystal ball one. 
Mm. But what I do know is that the funding is getting tighter. You've noticed? Um, Yep. I do also know that client expectations of the NDIS is maybe too high. Okay. So, you know, they're they're asking for things that are probably not necessarily, Mm. I mean, it'd be helpful, don't get me wrong. It'd be wonderful if they could have it. But in terms of, you know, everybody else has to pay for this stuff out of their own thing. And um, so just maybe asking too much. Yeah. So if you went in as CEO of the NDIS, I think that seat is uh, is up for grabs. What would you? Yeah, I heard that. Is? Yeah, there you go. There's a there's a um, there's a, a role for you. What what would you want to change in that first year? I would want to do um, some deep listening. To be honest, mm. I would want to do some deep listening to participants. I'd want to do some deep listening to support coordinators, to therapy mm. providers before I came up anything glib yeah yeah I think that speaks to the issue of trust that I'm sure we both I know I've been reading about how does the agency regain trust with participants and providers and other stakeholders Mm. and perhaps it does start with that listening you could be right on the money there yeah what else would you do I would listen and then I would create a strategic plan Mm. and then I would put timelines around it I would get the right people in the right seats on the right bus and then I would implement the changes. But like in terms Mm. of, you know, you're asking me what I would do is I don't know enough. All I've got is the provider's perspective Mm. and a bit of the client perspective. And so for me to come in and say, I think they should do A, B, C, D, like Mm. I think that would be quite foolish because it's a big, it's a big beast. It's a, a very important one. And it's not something I think we sh- you should come up to with random answers that yeah. only speak from one perspective. I, I just think it needs a total overhaul from a uh, multiple voices. I was just about to say exactly that, multiple voices from so many different sectors um, feel at the moment yeah. that they haven't been heard for the last yeah. phase of and then I would train my staff because every time you ring NDIS, you get a different answer for every yeah. person. Let's be consistent to. people. Let's exactly. be helpful and consistent people. Yeah. Exactly. So it is a big beast. And I was reading a post, um, actually, I think it was just last night or this morning, um, sort of commenting on with the change of government, well, why haven't things changed? And then the post was, the thread was really, really interesting about the size of the program and the complexities and all the elements that do need review and change. And mm. it's going to take it. What, what was, there was a really good comment and I've, it, there's a, a quote along these lines, but if a problem has taken years to create, it's going to take years potentially right. to solve as and well. And you don't want to do piecemeal approach. And that's why like me answering to you what I would do with NDIS, like mm. that's a piecemeal approach. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't think that piecemeal is helpful. Yeah, but I think you'd be good at it. Thank you. I think I would be too. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want the job. <laughs> no, 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 no. So let's get you um, back in the driver's seat of um, Kids Matters. I noticed on your website that you're doing some webinars and doing an online store. What um, What's going on there? Very curious so to is, see that. The seminars is something we've been doing many, many years. And it's 
I'd say it's a boutique seminar thing. We tried to go really big and we had these wonderful big grand plans of getting 250 people per seminar. COVID hit and then we're just pretty much starting from scratch again. Um, but we've decided we're going to keep it boutique for now because what mm. it does is it it helps um, people on our waiting list. It helps with education of people on our, um, mm. on our caseloads as well as, you know, reaching out to the community. Mm. And it the boutique keeps it very um, relatable and mm, very customisable. Yep. Yeah. And so we... You know, we've we've got no plans to expand that bigger than it is right now because mm. the amount of you've got to look at how much return you get for effort. Yep. And at the moment yep. we can do it low effort with high with high satisfaction return mm. rather than trying to go really big and crazy and compete in, in the COVID climate. Mm. Mm. So that's so that. Who does the trainings? Do you do them and some of your team do them? Yep, so my senior team, really. Um, so I do some of them. Um, Michelle, our therapy manager, does some. Mm. Julia, our senior athlete, she does some. So, yeah. Such a good skill set to have to be able to translate knowledge into other people's brains, you know, to be able to translate what you know, to be able to teach it yeah, and um, inspire others to try something a little bit different or, or the like. Yeah. Do they all enjoy it? They do. They do. Yeah. All my presenters love it. So Julie is a star, um, so she's she just thrives yep. on it. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a decent amount of star in me as well, so I really quite enjoy presenting and Michelle mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And we just look at whoever's got the skill set, they have an opportunity to present. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And the technology is there to be able to get the 250 people as and when you want it as well. It's not as though you're looking to, you know, fill conference venues and the like. So much can get done online, which is um, one good thing. Yeah, one good thing the pandemic has has gifted gifted us. And then the online store as well. I think people have Zoom fatigue though. Uh, Possibly. Possibly. It's, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. Yeah. I spend so much time on Zoom that, yeah, I, I, it's just my second home looking down that little white light. Um, <laughs> fair but, enough, uh, fair enough. I, I think also uh, because of its convenience and because you can get great quality bite-sized information in this online environment that it's kind of part of the, part of the landscape now. It's part of the way that we will, we will learn. Yeah. You're right. Um, learn at every level. Learn, you know, from primary schoolers right through to postgrad. Like, true. I think it's here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And then the online store. So we started that last year, and it's, we're just gradually building traction with it. Mm. We're about to redo our website. It's, it's it's um being commissioned so we should within three months we should have a new website where the online store will have its own specific feature beautiful and yeah so we just we're looking for items that we can do resellers with um so so we can get a decent price to buy them so we can pass them on at a a Mm. decent price so there's no point in us buying something from say sensory tools and then selling it on our website Mm. because we can't Yep. We can't get yep. the volume, so we, we just need to work mm. with that, which is a very time-consuming process. Yeah, we found it time-consuming when we did it as well, but we loved it. I think it just gave us permission to play like crazy, more so than we did elsewhere. And our clients loved it because 
it was convenient and yeah. um you know they could pick up some of the resources that we were using during their their um therapy programs and the kids were familiar with it and with a little yes. bit of grab and go but boy oh boy is it time consuming totally with you on that one yep. yeah yeah do you think you'll grow that part of it um gradually and gently mm. so we're looking at probably like organic growth mm. um with a reasonable amount of effort yeah yeah because we yeah. still get most of our money through therapy yeah yeah so if we think about that growth and and what's up next you don't have to share all your commercial secrets but what do you want to get done business-wise in the next couple of years uh so we are expanding our community visiting team oh yeah um, so we we do it in terms of making sure that our therapists are still well supported so they're not on the road all day by themselves and having no mm-hmm. connection to the wider team. So um, so we're setting it up that they just go to a reasonable radius and there's still that opportunity to connect and they have partial clinics um, responsibilities partial out. So that's very, very exciting. Um, we also do rural telehealth um, where we are... Um, reaching out to Concurry and to Mackay and um, various places who come to us and um, offering them a combination of um, periodic visits as well as um, some telehealth services. So that's pretty exciting. And we just want to make that all work. Mm, yeah, yeah. It sounds great. I, yeah, the telehealth piece is, yeah, I um. It was, it, yeah. I think this is one of the other gifts from the pandemic is that um, there was discovery around what online services look like in all different flavors. There's so many ways to to do that, and I'm and I'm really excited that so many businesses have kept this on the menu. Um, yeah. Some sort of said, "Oh my gosh, you know, no, thank you, that is not for us." And others have said, "Yeah, this is really interesting. How can we reach more and help more?" by keeping this sort of part of the service going. So that sounds like what you've done. Exactly, exactly. And telehealth is a regular part of what we do for somebody who's sick. Maybe there's just that little sniffle and we just do telehealth. Um, We do parent sessions. We do, it's just, it's opened up a whole range of other options for us. Yeah. And once again, for convenience and grab and go meetings to just get short pieces of work done. I think it's a really important adjunct to -to face-to-face services is in metro and I I think there's a misconception that telehealth is for rural and remote but equally powerful in metro as well absolutely yeah yeah and what about you where do you want your kind of amazing creative mechanic star energy to be going in the next little while so I'm looking at empowering my team Mm. and to have them very independent so this business can run without me um within three years i want to have it i could be here or not um i will still i want to be here because and stay in the business because i love it Mm. but i want it to be because i love it not because everything's hanging by a thread and i'm a a key player (laughs) exactly so i want to be the the inspirer the creator the um, the systematizer advocate and let somebody else do it. <laughs> yep, yep. I describe and it I, to my team as coming up with the idea, and I just chuck the stuff over my over my shoulder, and people pick it up. 
yeah sometimes I we probably want to, well. <laughs> I probably want to be a little bit more involved because I just love the systems so mm. I want to support with the systems and then let them go for it and improve upon it and make it better yeah yeah and repeatable um, I mean that's what yeah. systems do you get repeatability and structure yeah. And I also want to still work with clients because I still get my therapist high when those children get better. Mm. And I, I want to always have a piece that I will be doing caseload, but just, <gasps> just a, a, a moderate caseload. So a sprinkle. Yeah. Guest appearance. Sounds probably amazing. more than that. Probably more than that. I'd probably like to do two days a week clinical. Okay. Actually, that's what I do now. I'd like yeah. to keep with my two days a week clinical because I like yeah. that and yeah. then manage. And, yeah. Get all the other good things done. Love it. Thank you yeah, so much for well coming in. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing up the adventure so far. Very good to hear. Oh, you're welcome. I hope that gives some kind of inspiration to some others. What would you like to be the parting message? You can have uh, the talking stick for the last moment. Oh, does anybody want a job? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want to yeah. come to Queensland? We have <laughs> we have um we're putting on um five new graduates and replacing um replacing our maternity leave girl at Aspley. Mm. I already have recruits that are uh, we're in the middle of um, interviewing at the moment. But if anybody is this else, shameless is, self promotion, Vivian. At this point, I think it is. Well, you, you it really is. But you let's gave just call it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me the stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. We're, so, yeah, just get in contact with me and otherwise, you know, the business journey is such a amazing opportunity for both personal and mm. professional and skill growth and yeah. I think it's kind of second to none really to grow you as a person. Yeah. Oh, love it. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much. No worries. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.